Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Inbound goes over to LeBron James for deep three. Short, no good. Rebound down to Murray. Doesn't even have to get it across the half-court line. Three seconds left to go in Denver. There's the horn. Ball arena crowd to its feet. The Denver Nuggets take game number one of the Western Conference Finals behind another triple-double from Nikola Jokic. The final tonight from Denver, 132 to 126. Company. Christopher Dempsey, Alex Ryan, Nemi, Steve Nelson, and Josh Grismer behind the glass. It is a celebration Tuesday or Wednesday. It's, oh my goodness gracious. Go! Celebration Wednesday. Uh, the Nuggets get the victory over the LA Lakers in game one of their Western Conference Finals series. Um, incidentally, we'll have uh, Michael Malone on in um, out, about an hour and a half from now. Uh, to talk about the game in uh, a little bit further. 132-126 was the final score of that game. And boy, Raj, it had all the things. This game had all the things. You, you had stars who put up enormous stats beginning and almost ending with Nikola Jokic, 34-21-14. and 14, A triple-double, just a major, major triple-double. Anthony Davis tried to counter him with 40 points and 10 uh, rebounds. You get uh, LeBron James with 26, 12, and 9, almost a triple-double for him. Jamal Murray with 31, 5, and 5. Just everything happening in terms of your the point players that needed to come and play, uh, they came and, and they played really well. Uh, if we get treated to five, six, seven games of what we saw last night, I think the uh, basketball f- viewing world is going to be in for an absolute treat, especially the first three quarters of what the Nuggets did. They were seemingly up by 20 the entire game, like between 50 and 20. The only lead that LA had was after two offensive rebounds in the first possession, they go up to nothing. And then it was all Nuggets there on out up until the fourth quarter when, uh, and we've been told this by the national media and the ESPN broadcast that, well, the Lakers started to figure something out and they certainly did in the fir- in the the fourth quarter there making sure that you could get switches onto a not 100% Jamal Murray with LeBron James you found a way to get Aaron Gordon um a li- he was stagnant 
second half of that game, which allowed Anthony Davis to kind of do whatever he wanted on the defensive side of the floor. It didn't really help all that much in the third, but certainly did in that final quarter. I I thought the Nuggets were excellent for 90% of the game. And when you build up a 20-point lead... That's what you can do. You can afford to not be great for 10%, 15% of a game if you're that much better than your opponent for the majority. Yeah, exactly right. And you know, yeah, the, the, the cushion allows you to be able to be, look, it's a, it's basketball. And in these NBA games, whether, whether it's regular season or it's playoffs, uh, we see leads evaporate all the time. Uh, I mean, it's a thing that just happens in this sport, especially in the NBA. Uh, they are very long games, even though it seems like they might, they're actually not. They're very long games. And so these teams get back into the game. Um, uh, part two, obviously, and we talked about this yesterday. Like if you're trying to slay the dragon and the dragon is LeBron James and the Lakers and, and all the mystique and, you know, all the greatness and uh, every. Well, well, that's not going to – they're not going to roll over for you. They're not going to roll over for you. They're going to make you beat them. And so uh, the Nuggets were able to do that. It obviously got very um, – there was some concern <laughs> kind of late uh, in that um, in that fourth quarter. But you know what? I want to dive into that fourth quarter. And before I do that, though, uh, I do I, – we want to get all the interaction from you, the fans, all the interaction. Call us. Yeah. Call us, text us. How did you feel about that? What's concerning you? What makes you happy? All the things about these games. We'll do this every single uh, every single game from here on out. Uh, so 303-504-0925, uh, both the call in and, and the text line are the same thing. Want to dive into this fourth quarter, Raj, because the, the more detailed that you look at this fourth quarter, I think the more in perspective uh, it will be. And... So let's just start with the with the overarching view, which was uh, the Lakers outscored the Nuggets 34 to 26 in the fourth quarter. Uh, they shot 56 percent from the field. They made five three pointers, shot 62 percent from the uh, from the three point line and made 11 of 13 free throws. Um, obviously, when you're looking at those numbers, those are not the numbers that you want to have. Uh, you know, going against you if you're the Nuggets uh, by your opponent. The Nuggets, meanwhile, in the fourth quarter, shot 50 percent from the field. Uh, they made three three-pointers, were 37% from the three-point line, and made seven of 12 free throws. So there is, there, is a, there is a little bit of a narrative of the Lakers marching to the free-throw line while the Nuggets are not, and that is not true. Not just in the fourth quarter. Second half, there was like an eight-free-throw discrepancy. The fourth quarter was not as much the case, although you do have uh, two of those free-throw attempts out of the 12 uh, being you know, the, the take foul at the end of the game. And there probably could have been another one to uh, on Jamal Murray late, late with like under five seconds to go in the fourth quarter. That was not, that wasn't necessarily the narrative. Right. No, and I well, know there's a lot of people that want to go out to that. And that's, that's something that you and I spent a couple of segments on yesterday was mm-hmm. can LA parade to the free throw line? Will the whistle be a factor? I really don't think it was that much of a factor last night, despite That being the easy road and the easy answer to, like, why did this 20-point lead evaporate over the course of 10 minutes? Yeah, the Lakers only took four more free throws than the Nuggets did the entire game. So, I mean, 23 of 26, the Nuggets were 17 of 22. That just wasn't, that that wasn't an issue. So, like, if you're hearing that from somewhere, you should just probably dismiss that. The The first six minutes of the fourth quarter, the Nuggets were six of eight from the field. So, actually... Half the fourth quarter, they were pretty good. 
right? Offensively, offensively. Then this is how it flipped for the Nuggets. Offensively, last six minutes and 11 of the game, they were two of eight from the field. Meanwhile, in that same span, the Lakers were four of nine from the field, and four, three of those four were three-pointers. Austin Reeves knocked in a couple of those three-pointers. We'll get to some of that action, too, because I saw it on film about a thousand times in the previous series. Anyways, <laughs> uh, they outscored the Nuggets 19 to 11 in that last six, uh, in that last six minutes and 11 seconds. The Nuggets go four minutes without a single field goal from 633 from KCP's three to the alley-oop dunk. They didn't, there was zero field goals in there for the Nuggets. They did make four free throws in that. Span. I was going to say it was four straight possessions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then from a defensive standpoint, this is actually what happened. And I think this is what will uh, maybe put some minds at ease, although we will go over how they even got into this space in the first place. The Lakers started off the fourth eight for 10. So they were making all the shots. And then in the last 322 of the game, Raj, the Lakers, one of six, turnover, two for two from the free throw line, and that is it. The Nuggets in that same span, two for five, four of six from the free throw line, zero turnovers. They outscored the Lakers eight to five to end the game from 322 to the end of the game. And when we talk about the Nuggets, what was one of the things that – Coach Malone, and I'm sure he'll say it again today, but what is one of the things that has been a hallmark of their defense? Clutch time D. Clutch time D. And they weren't great defensively last night. Like, let's not let's not paint this rose too mm. bright a red. Defense is the issue that Malone's going to have, and I guarantee when we have him on this show at 11:40 this morning, make sure you guys stay tuned uh, for the coach's answers and his reaction to a game one victory in the West Final with the Nuggets over the Lakers. I guarantee he's going to look at this game and go, "We started off wonderfully. We took our foot off the gas, but defensively, pretty much the entire game, we weren't as." stout as we wanted to be the first quarter I thought they locked down pretty well really good on the defensive glass you got an offensive board from Michael Porter Jr. early and then uh, again you were able to take your foot off the gas late it got way too close for comfort LeBron James has a chance under two minutes to go to knock down a game tying three doesn't really do anything there I also thought the um the lack of attention to detail and effort from not only James but the Lakers as well at the end, right? Uh, rebound goes down to Jamal Murray. Not a rebound. Uh, Jamal steps back with his left hand, strips LeBron, who's in the paint going one-on-one against Joker. Jamal gets that ball, right? And LeBron is within arm's length of him. He can make that foul with 12 seconds to go and decides to just like sashay away and let Jamal move the ball down. Who is it? Bruce Brown, the corner three, if I'm correct. It was either Bruce or KCP. Uh, corner three at that point in time. Down when the Michael baseline, Ford, 10 seconds to go. It could have been. It was like 10 seconds. Actually, I don't care who it was. Uh, Jamal ends up getting that ball, getting that ball, moving it up the court, and a Nuggets player, to be named later, has the ball baseline extended and has a chance for a free layup because the Lakers stopped playing. And I think I would have taken that layup as well, right? If you know that all you want to do is waste time, waste time, waste time, Mm -hmm. waste time until you go to the hole. Like, don't throw that back and risk the chance of this game possibly extending. That was the only thing at the end of the game that I would have liked to have seen because LA stopped playing. Go take your your two free points and move on. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, there was... It was was Bruce Brown. Yeah, Bruce Brown. Baseline. 
you know, it's, I, I think as a rule, the, the, the defensive issue um, that I think I'm just going to guess Michael Malone will have the, uh, the biggest concern with would be that third quarter defense in the third quarter and the Lakers give them credit. This is where I think that I don't know about the, you know, the Rui Hachimura on Nikola Jokic thing. We'll get to that in a second, but uh, that third quarter, the way they were able to just really kind of screen roll, uh, find Anthony Davis in front of the rim. Um, Anthony Davis with a good pass down to Rui Hachimura for a baseline dunk on one. Uh, you get um, uh, Hachimura, uh, you know, the jump shots out of him. You get Dennis Schroeder kind of in your paint as well. And it really just kind of began with that ball screen game. And then they started picking out matchups when the Nuggets were switching a lot of that stuff. You saw, to your point, Jamal Murray getting posted up. Um, that big lineup that the Lakers put out there, I would expect that they might just start with that um, in, in, in the next game. It doesn't feel like that's a sustainable lineup, though. Like, are you really going to trust that Rui yeah. can start off on Joker yep. and consistently guard him for four quarters? Because what we know no. about Nikola Jokic and the beauty that is Nikola Jokic is, even if you have some success against him, mm -hmm. he figures you out. And it doesn't take him a long time. It takes him a game, maybe, to figure you out. And I don't see the Lakers go into really early on. I think they'll do the same thing is that you'll go AD Joker, maybe not for like two and a half, three quarters, but they'll maybe go to AD Joker one-on-one -on -one for a quarter and a half, two quarters, and then try and switch it off and allow Rui to take him because an inexperienced defender like Hachimura against Joker and say what you want about Rui. He's a great player, but I think Yoke with a day or at least a half of highlights to look back on and film to look back on will find a way to eviscerate him mm -hmm. on the text line. A lot of stuff on the text line. Just keep it coming. I see that fire. This is from Connor. I see that fire in Jokic. What a game. I don't think anyone can stop the nuggets at this point. Let's go. I've oh, let's see from, uh, let's see from, yeah. Christy Angeles. I've always loved playing basketball, but never enjoyed the NBA. I've watched nearly every Nuggets game since Joker was drafted. He's such a treat to watch, and I think he is so great for the game. Here, here, such a role model. I wish everybody gets got to experience this. <laughs> oh, Rob goes condolences to Demps on the Lakers' loss. <laughs> Raj, that's not funny. That's, that's pretty funny. Steve, that's not that's funny. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Both of you, it's not funny. Oh, Dempsey, keep it that's going, what you guys. get for actually trying to intelligently break down this series. Yeah, and I know. Give any you damn any sort Lakers, of credence, Homer. I know. Lend I know. any sort of credence to Anthony Davis. Dude, you practically have a home in Malibu now, you <laughs> Lakers homer. God. Oh, my gosh. How does the Joker deal with this Rue Hachimura thing? We'll talk about that when we come back. Yeah, I mean, it took us a half the end of the game, and uh, that was pretty much the ball game right there. Uh, we got to understand that um, you know, we got to start from – from the tip off, you know, and uh, they punched us in the mouth to start. You know, I think they had more offensive rebounds than we had total rebounds um, in the first half. And, uh, you know, that led to um, them getting second chance points. They also got on the fast break and killed us in the fast break in the first half, you know, and uh, it was 10 for 10 from the free throw line. So, you know, I know the game is won in 48 minutes, but they set the tone in 24 minutes. and. You know, we're playing catch up for the, for the next 24. That's exactly what that was, the words of LeBron James after uh, his team took a 132-126 one, one, loss to the Nuggets in game one 
of the Western Conference Finals. Uh, the Nuggets scoring 71 points in the first half. They were just uh, very, um, you know, it looked, uh, they're just an offensive juggernaut. And when you're talking about a, a team uh, in the Lakers that came into this series as the number one defensive rating team in the playoffs, um, they they have not seen an offense like this. Uh, and they struggled to get that sorted out uh, in the first half. Now, what happened in the second half was defensively, they made a, a couple of changes. Now, look, it's not as if the Nuggets didn't shoot shoot it very well because in the third quarter, while the Lakers were busy shooting, by the way, the Lakers shot 75% in the third quarter. That, that is, uh, it, it's, that's something that, that will get rectified. But the Nuggets also shot 70% in the third quarter, 14 out of 20. And then in the fourth quarter, they shot 50%. So it's not as if they the Lakers found the, you know, when we when we uh, slice this up and when you start to hear what they found and what they didn't find, and uh, just remember <laughs> that the Nuggets shot 70% in the third quarter and 50% in the fourth quarter, so it wasn't as if uh, they were being stopped. The question for me in that fourth quarter is when you go four minutes without making a field goal, what kind of shots were you getting? So the answer to that is uh, you get the Michael Porter Jr. drive the close out and kind of twisting as he's flying by the rim, um, short jump shot that he missed. You have Jamal Murray, Dennis Schroeder falls down covering him. Jamal Murray takes the opportunity to shoot a three-point shot. And I give, give Schroeder credit here. Um, he bounced up off the floor really fast to get a hand up on that shot and made it kind of difficult uh, for Jamal Murray. Um, you had a KCP missed three-point shot from some action that he made one earlier. So it's a Nikola Jokic posting up. They're bouncing the ball back and forth between the two of them. Uh, KCP makes that shot um, earlier, misses that shot a second time. Uh, my point is I think those the, the, when you break down those shots, the, the Nuggets will take the first couple of those and say those might maybe should have been different. Um, and then they'll look at the, the next two and they'll go, okay, you know, I mean, we, we missed some shots that we were making earlier in the, um, in, in, in the game. And certainly even in that fourth quarter, but as it relates to Nikola Jokic, he took two shots in the fourth quarter two, and not, you know, it's not even that he went, he missed them both, but what the Lakers were doing wasn't so much. Hey, they're forcing him into a ton of missed shots. He wasn't even getting them. And that is the issue that the Nuggets are going to have to work out. That's the one thing that they're going to have to change is if you go, if you go any more than two possessions, two empty possessions, regardless if it's a good shot or if it's a bad shot, like if it's uh, Jamal dribbling the ball for forever into a corner and then uh, dropping the shot clock down to under six seconds and having to heave one up, or if it's a wide open previously hit KCP three, if you go more than two straight possessions in an environment that the fourth quarter was, which was, and everyone in the building knew it, everyone watching knew it, you were holding on for dear life. And again, that's okay. You built up a big lead. You get to hold on. That is the the beauty of what you did for the first two and a half, three quarters in last night's game. Moving on, if you get into that same situation where you can feel your opponent has every piece of the momentum, if you go two empty possessions, that third one, under no circumstances whatsoever, can the ball be or the play be drawn up for anybody but Nikola Jokic. 
even if like even if LA knows it's coming, even if LA is already hedging that double team, which they did all night long, and they got roasted on it for the first two quarters, even if you can see them hedging that double team, get the ball into Jokic in the paint, let him work, and try and get to the free throw line because only took two shots in the fourth, but got to the free throw line four times, made three of four. The only one he missed was his penultimate shot of the game. He hits the second of the two. Get the ball to 15 and let him go away. Let him hack away. Maybe you're going to get the calls. Maybe you're not. But I'd rather see 15 be the guy to slow that pace down than trusting anybody else. Not that I don't trust anyone else on this team. I just trust the best player on the planet to get you out of a funk more so. Yeah, and you know what? I wonder, you know, when you... Nicola, you know, part of it was, you know, he felt compelled to pass. I mean, he had two turnovers in that fourth quarter as well. And so he had the ball on some occasions, just didn't take a shot or turn the ball over or in the shots that he did take. Uh, they, they were a couple of really tough shots and, and, and he missed them both. So um, I, I think as it relates to the Rui Hachimura thing, um, you know, when you get Hachimura on him and then you have Anthony Davis being able to just play, basically play free safety back there, because, you know, the issue is, is that now if he is on, this is why it's advantageous for the Lakers, because he is now guarding Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon's just kind of hanging out at the dunker spot. So that's that short corner. And if you're sitting, if Aaron Gordon is there at the short corner and Nikola Jokic is posting up or anywhere free throw line below, then he can just come over and help at whatever, at whatever point. And he can be the weak side shot blocker and really make it difficult. And so for the Nuggets, they're either going to have to space Aaron Gordon out somewhere more or... There were a couple of instances, especially on the post up where it was it was very crowded. And so you basically what you had was KCP at the angle three, but he was inside the three point line. So you basically have KCP almost free throw line extended at the angle. You have Michael Porter Jr. kind of fading into that corner and you have Aaron Gordon sitting in that dunker spot all on the same side. And the spacing doesn't work that way, because when now when Nikola Jokic turns in over his right shoulder, there are three Lakers at least standing there. And then if you want to dump it down to Aaron Gordon, you can't quite do that because Anthony Davis has the longest arms in the world. And he's going to get a deflection or something, which is how uh, Nikola Jokic turned the ball over on a couple of occasions trying to get it to Aaron Gordon. But if KCP is now spaced out beyond the three-point line and Michael Porter Jr. is now fading into the corner, when Nikola Jokic turns over his right shoulder and the defense collapses, the corner three is open. And when the corner three is open and it's Michael Porter Jr. standing in the corner, now you have punished the Lakers for doing what they're doing um, in terms of just this specific action that gave the Nuggets a little trouble here in the fourth quarter. What I heard last night was the effectiveness of Anthony Davis on the defensive end of the floor second half. And I see questions coming here from EJ and Jay and the 358 is how do you more effectively get Anthony Davis away from just like hovering everywhere. And it seems as though the Aaron and Gordon uh, experience last night left a little bit to be desired. It wasn't as active as a lot of people wanted it to be because it seems though, if you just have AG just kind of standing off to the side, it allows Anthony Davis to just kind of go around and do whatever he wants. Is there any truth to that in the second half of last night's game? Yeah, that, yeah, exactly right. And how do you I mean, fix is, it? Yeah, this one. So, Either they're going to space him out or if they stand him there and invite that double team. See, you know, the, the thing about 
uh, at players like Nikola Jokic and LeBron James is sometimes you do want the double team. Like, that's why they're there. So that you can, A, they can score and be great players, but B, you can start to distort the def- the, the, the defense and just do what you want to do. And so you want that double team. And so if you know it's coming and you already got a counter for it, uh, then you can work that way, which is why I would I like to see the three-point shooter on that side spaced out way beyond the three-point line. Michael Porter Jr. fading toward the corner, or KCP. They're both great corner three-point shooters. Doesn't matter, that doesn't matter which one. I just picked out Michael Porter Jr. because in my mind's eye, so it has, he was the guy. It has more to do with other players' off-ball action in KCP and MPJ rather than what Aaron Gordon is or is not doing. Yeah, because Aaron Gordon's just doing what they always do. Right. You know, so for is that the, good enough? Well, against Anthony Davis? No, I mean, no, it's, it's not. I mean, if 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 you space it out around them, it can be OK. You can survive that if they don't space it. If if you're uh, if they don't excuse me, if they space the three point shooting out further, then you can survive that because when A.D. comes over now, it's these are their long runs back out to trying to, you know, to close out the shooters or whatever. If you don't want to do those things then you have to take Aaron Gordon and you got to space him out to to somewhere on the perimeter, thereby taking Anthony Davis out, which I think we'll see a combination of both from the Nuggets in game two. Is AG a... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dangerous enough player in space to warrant Anthony Davis going out and actually covering him and working his legs that much. Well, he's going to have to. I'm not trying to slander Aaron Gordon whatsoever. The guy has been excellent. He's been one of, if not the most important defensive player in these playoffs, not just on the Nuggets, but in the playoffs as a whole. I'm not trying to slander him. I'm just trying to look AG as. No, it's a problem that they have to fix. It is. Yeah, because you can't have Anthony Davis just standing around and doing, doing whatever, whatever he wants defensively. Yeah, so the player has to, you know, look, if 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 they space out Aaron Gordon a little bit more in these situations and he ends up taking a three like three point attempts then he's got to make them he's got to at least make one or two to so that Anthony Davis feels compelled to be hugged up to him a little bit more on the perimeter then he would i i think Anthony Davis would just go I'm going to let him shoot this three at first I'll I'll let him I might even let him shoot two and I'm going to stay a little bit closer to the paint but if you knock a couple in, and now he's got to now he's got to stay hugged up to you a little bit more. Now you gain all that space back. I like so, some of the three point looks he had last night. Yeah, yeah. Two I mean, of the three he took were wide open. Yeah, I mean, look, one that, was rushed. I, but. I would say this about Aaron Gordon all season long. He he has not abused the three point line. He has not abused it. You know that is 
he has pretty much stayed in, you know, in the paint and, and been the, a physical force in the paint. And then he could step out and, and hit a three. And I think on, what was he a 36, 37% three point shoot or something like that uh, during the regular season, which is pretty good. Um, so it's just a different kind of an issue. And also look playing into, into the Lakers favor in that respect is if you throw the ball to, to Aaron Gordon and he's being guarded by Anthony Davis and that that's, you know, he's not going to post Anthony Davis up and then shoot over the top of him. That's, that's not going to happen. So, um, you know, the nuggets do have to get that solved in, uh, in a real way. And I think they will. I, I think there's easy solutions. And quite honestly, in that fourth quarter, if you just kind of go back and watch those plays with a fine tooth comb, um, the Nuggets did have some pretty good a- answers already for that. Um, and and then there's this, Raj. The Lakers showed this card in the middle of game one. At the end of game one, there's no guessing about how they're going to adjust to you because they showed it to you. And so that's just going to be, I think, advantage Nuggets in terms of preparing for game two. That's been the conversation that, you know, if you watched first take on ESPN this morning, or even if you listened to the post-game chatter uh, after the Nuggets got done with their win, and we will talk to Nuggets head coach Michael Malone coming up at 1140 this morning. He'll be live uh, on these airwaves with Dempsey and myself. We'll ask him about all these things and more heading into game two on Thursday night. Uh, the The thought process nationally was well, the Nuggets should feel worse about this game one victory because of how it ended, and the Lakers should be excited about losing game one because, well, they unlocked something against Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. Yes, they they unlocked something. Don't get me wrong, Demps, but now you have a full half of... of uh, of highlight reel and full half of film to go back on and fix. It's not like Malone and the Nuggets aren't going to adjust to that. They will have a game plan in place for what got punched at them in the second half of last night's game. I, I don't subscribe to the fact that losing game one and giving up as many points as you did in the first half of that game, right? Like you, you struggled mightily, mightily giving up 72 points uh, as the, sorry, uh, not 72 points. Was it 72 in the first half? Yeah. Yeah. 72 points. I thought it was 74, 72 points in the first half last night is LA, but you're not necessarily coming out of this smelling like roses. No, the Lakers, you should no. be happy that you unlocked something, I but just, yeah. I don't subscribe to the fact that anyone in that Lakers locker room is like, Oh yeah, we got this. We got this. No. You gave up 132 points. You gave up 132 points, and the hallmark, the calling card of your team is defense. And you gave up 132. That is a point total that is unsustainable for the Lakers to win this series. Look, no matter what happened in the fourth quarter, if the Nuggets are going 130-anything consistently in this series, it is over. The Lakers can't score like that um, consistently um, you know, over the course of a seven-game series. It's not it's not where they want it. They've made their um, – they've hung their hat on defense and then being able to, you know, score like 110, 112 right around there, hold you under that number, um, and then they're able to – that's their sweet spot of being able to win games. Now, I think for the Lakers, they're going to have to come to grips with the fact that they're going to have to score, you know, 115 to 120 almost a night uh, to give themselves the best chance to win. Um, and maybe, you know, I, I don't know how they, they'll they'll pull that off. Um, you know, and consistently, uh, but I think that their scoring is going to have to rise. um, And then the Nuggets ability just to be completely just out of their control uh, defensively is going to have to come back down to being a little bit more in their control on the text line. um, I, let's see. I get that. I get that. I said they might need to get AG out of the dunker spot and put him more on back screens or on corner threes. 
they should get AG, AG moving off the ball and attack AD to try to ball, draw fouls, in which he would. Like Aaron Gordon is the kind of guy who puts his head down and, you know, just tries to try to, to bull his way to the rim. When we talked to um, when we talked to Ohm yesterday on from ESPN, that was his big call about uh, this is why the Lakers get to the free throw line is because they drive right. They throw their shoulders into you in the paint, not necessarily playing back to the basket and playing underneath the basket. That was my argument about how the Nuggets have more paint touches than any team in the postseason right now. Uh, however, they trail massively in free throw discrepancy to a team like the Lakers. If you want to try and exploit that especially at home get Aaron Gordon coming downhill if he's in space get some action where he's receiving the ball with a step or two already in his pace and he can go up and sure maybe is he going to get called for a charge or two and you're going to get the Laker flop involved even though uh they they try and tell you that the Lakers don't promote flopping they do we know they do and I'd rather see that be the action from Aaron Gordon getting downhill and taking the chance of an offensive charge and just trying to bully ball Anthony Davis up. Because again, is he soft? Is he a guy that you can out physical your way through him? And um, it maybe get up two, three, one in the series. And uh, next thing you know, someone throws a shoulder into him or uh, plays him too hard on the defensive side. And then he takes himself out of a game. And I mean, if that ends up happening in this series, I think the, the book will be written on Anthony Davis, either being a soft player or a dominant one. Why not have AG setting back screens and flare screens away from the ball so uh, to make make it so Davis has to help out on a corner three for Porter or KCP or on back screens? Got to find a way to get Davis to have to be active instead of cheating in. Um, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that, and I think the Nuggets, the Nuggets, the beauty of their offense is that, I mean, over the course of the season, you have seen all the players be able to handle, all the players getting pick and roll, all the players, you know, with off, there's a lot of stuff happening off ball, opposite side. And so I, I think you'll see a lot more of that if the Lakers want to go this route, uh, you know, with in, in big chunks. I, I think you'll start to see Aaron Gordon in a lot uh, more screening action along the perimeter just to kind of get him out there and, and get him guarding in space and then keeping space for Nikola Jokic in the actual paint. Listen, this was this was a joy last night. Ball Arena was buzzing, absolutely buzzing. I I didn't hate the maroon shirts. Like I understand why you're going from shirts to towels and different like colors. It. The maroon shirts actually kind of looked cool. I I understand why you don't want to have yellow shirts at a Nuggets Lakers game, but I also feel that if you're worried about TV optics, a yellow shirt would drown out how many Lakers fans are actually in the arena. Um, I really don't think they let themselves be heard until the fourth quarter and being within three after that. Uh, was it a was it Austin Reeves who hit that big three to bring them within three mm-hmm. after the Reeves three? You could actually hear it. You, you went, oh, crap. There's a lot of L.A. fans here for the majority of the game. It was but not a ton. No, yeah. no. For the majority of the game, it was dominated yeah. by Nuggets fans and Denver fans down there at Ball Arena. It was, it was an loud. absolute blast. They looked great to start. They withstood the wave that came at them from LA and I expect them to make the adjustments much like they did in game two against Phoenix that they will against LA um, coming up on Thursday night. I don't think this is just a one-off. I think they win both games at home. I really do. I'm convinced. 19,633 standing room only crowd at ball arena is what that was last night. And you know what? There were a bunch of Broncos players there and Russell Wilson was there. 
Justin Simmons, DJ was there, among others. There were like 10, 12, 15 Broncos players at the game. A lot of them on the sidelines. Brandon McManus was behind the Lakers bench watching and cheering on his Nuggets as well. I love that. I want more professional sports figures here in Denver to be at Nuggets games and as prominent as possible. It made me excited. And then I hopped on Twitter and I scrolled up and down and there was one guy in particular that ruined it for me. One Bronco ruined the party for me last night. I'm going to tell you who it is on the other side and what he did and why it's absolutely unacceptable here in the Mile High City. The morning after a Nuggets big win over the Los Angeles Lakers game one of the Western Conference Finals. Welcome back into Dempsey and Company. Christopher Dempsey, Alex Ryan, Emmy, Steve Nelson, Josh Grismer, and you until the noon hour here on Altitude Sports Radio 92.5. Coming up in one hour, one hour, we will have Nuggets coach Michael Malone here join us here on the program uh, to talk about last night's win and what he expects uh, in game two from the Lakers. Um, Raj, you have a bone to pick with somebody. I, I do have a bone to pick with somebody. I, I, I have a big bone to pick with somebody. And uh, Nuggets Nation showed out last night. You guys were wonderful at Ball Arena. The majority of professional sports athletes that we saw in the stadium, you showed out. You were there for the Nuggets or you were in street clothes. I really don't care what you were wearing as long as it wasn't gold and purple. <laughs> Good for you, Russ, sitting on the sideline. Good for you, Justin Simmons, sitting on the sideline. Brandon being in the stands as well, among others. By the way, Russell Wilson was just there to see Jokic and observe what a completed forward pass looks hey! like. Hey! What do you know? What do you know? He's like, oh, crap, that guy's coming for my job. Like, wow. no, Russ is going to be much better this year. I promise you that. Um, what I saw last night on Twitter... From Nick Benito, former second-round pick of your Denver Broncos, pass rusher uh, who struggled last season, and most of the Broncos did struggle, but uh, the draft class was not great. Mm -hmm. And Benito was one of those guys that was expected to step in and make a pass-rushing impact immediately. And what I saw on Twitter last night is Nick Benito apparently being the biggest LeBron fan in the entire world and now being upset that Broncos country and Nuggets nation are coming at him him because he goes, damn, I want my favorite player to win. And now I suck noted 100 emoji. And he also late last night after the Nuggets ended up going on a win, posted the tweet Lakers in seven under no circumstances whatsoever. Can you, as a second-year Denver Bronco, under no circumstances, as a Denver Bronco, be openly campaigning for the Los Angeles Lakers against the Denver Nuggets in a Western Conference Final. If it's a regular season game, I don't give a damn. But you are a Denver Bronco. This country is a football country. Therefore, this is a Bronco town. You are looked at as a bastion for this city as a beacon of sports knowledge and fandom i don't care who you are but if you wear orange and blue you better assimilate to this fandom especially when this team is in the postseason get on the bandwagon get with the program i don't care if you grew up a lebron fan you're not even from la you're from florida (laughs) you went to school in oklahoma 
You're not a Laker fan. You're a LeBron fan. It's time for you to leave that in the past when you wear orange and blue. I'm not going to come at you individually, but this is a warning to all Broncos players, to all professional sports players. When you are in a city, you give up your fandom. You give it up. Never once did I see Von Miller, arguably the greatest pass rusher of all time, openly campaigning for a team like the Los Angeles Lakers to beat the Nuggets. That's the same thing as Jamal Murray going down to a sideline in week four or whenever you play the Kansas City Chiefs on primetime. I know it's later on in the season, but whenever that is, mm-hmm. it's the same damn thing as Jamal Murray throwing on a Patrick Mahomes jersey and standing on the sideline next to you during warmups. It's disrespectful. It's crap. Get with the program. The greatest thing that I ever had told to me from Tim Kirchin was as a sports personality, and that's what you are, Nick Benito. You are an athlete, but you also are a sports personality here in this town. The best thing Tim Kirchin ever told me was when you go to a new city, as a sports personality, assimilate. Become a fan. Leave everything else in the past. I'm a Mets fan through and through. Born and tried, and I bleed orange and blue. But you will never ever the other orange and blue. The other orange and blue. The crappy <laughs> orange and blue. Let's be honest. Yeah. You will never See me wear a Mets jersey or a Mets hat to Coors Field. You will never see me do that. Not here. I'll go in street clothes, and maybe in my head I'll root for them, but I won't openly do it. You know why? Because I'm here in Denver. I'm here in the Mile High City, especially in the playoffs. You know what I have to say to that? This. Come on, man. Be better than that. Be smarter than that. And you know what we it's have way to say more fun to, to do Nick that Benito. Too. Nick Benito. Right to jail. Right away. <laughs> also, like... Maybe I could understand this if you were like an Oklahoma City Thunder fan or a Charlotte Hornets fan and you're just kind of being the guy like, hey, look at my not so good historically organization. They're playing really well now and I'm going to show out for my hometown. No, no, no. You being a Laker fan right now is not unique. It's not cool, especially here in Denver. Being a Laker fan is the least cool thing you can do. And it's not like you're Micah Parsons. I guess that's the only thing you can look at right now, right? Micah Parsons, mm-hmm. all pro linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. He's a Philadelphia kid through and through. You see him wearing Phillies hats all the time um, and, and Pittsburgh Penguins jerseys and all that. If I was a Cowboy fan, I'd be pissed off. But you, guess what? Micah Parsons gets it done on the field. Mm-hmm. And that's why I look back at Von Miller and I go, I never once, once, saw him actively campaign against the team or against a fellow team in the state that he plays in. Yeah. Not once. Unacceptable. You know, it's interesting um, about that. And I see the, um, you say Nick Benito. I see Nick Nick Benato. That's really funny. (laughs) I I like it. I like it. I'm sorry. I I like it. Um, Also this, Raj, like if you're going to do that and lean into it, then you can't get mad when people are mad at you. Like that's the, you know, that's, uh, that's just is what it is. If you want to lean into that, Nick Benito, then when people come at you, you have to, you can't take it. How are you going to take it? If we can't be mad, then you can't be mad. If we can be mad, then you can be mad. And we're all just mad. But it's, it's very interesting because I do believe like Bruce Brown spent kind of half of the, uh, uh, half of the season, kind of in and out of the Boston Boston Bruins sweater, and then he traded that in for an AV sweater. Um, this, you know, the idea we are we're all from somewhere. We're all from somewhere, and we all have our teams that we like and we don't like. 
But if you want to lean into that in another city, then the consequences are the consequences. Don't come on Twitter and, and start getting at the people for getting at you. No, that's, no, no, no. That's, to me, that's as bad a look as openly, openly rooting for the Lakers in a town that you know hates the Lakers. Look what I am fun. Raj, I don't like the Lakers either. But you would never know it on the text line because, <laughs> <laughs> because everybody thinks I love the Lakers. Um, that's how much we hate the Lakers. Because you could even just say, hey, that's a good player. Get out of our town. Get out of our town. That is terrible. Exactly right. He I'm, will learn from it. I'm I hope you, he does. I'm with you a thousand percent. Yeah, it's just, um, it, it's a feeling that I have. And I, I have this feeling for uh, the general everyday citizen as well, is that you move to a new city and you can have your, uh, you can have your, your favorite team that you grew up with, but it's way more fun to move to a city and completely absorb the fandom of that. Like when I was, when I went to upstate New York, I, I am now, I now have a lifelong love for the Buffalo Sabres and Bills mm-hmm. just because that was the only thing to do is you go up there and it's, it wasn't cool being a Broncos fan up there and the Broncos were in Super Bowls when I was up there. You know what was fun? Going to Orchard Park and slamming into plastic tables wearing blue and red <laughs> or going to a Sabres game and watching them get blown out by like the Islanders six to one, but having a great time and going to Duff's and eating a bunch of wings. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a, a, all of this crazy hubris and pride to wear avalanche jerseys to those games. I, in my head, in my root, like I, I see the text line here at 303 is where you can reach us on the Shop Mazda text line is, uh, Raj, if it comes down to the, the Rockies and the Mets in the NLCS, who are you going to be rooting for? Um, I, I don't know if I could tell you who I would be rooting for, but yeah, you know what would I, you be rooting for? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Probably in my head, in my head and in my heart, I'm rooting for the Mets. Mm-hmm. But what I'm not doing. Is openly just is openly, openly coming like, on these airwaves <laughs> or on Twitter yeah. or actually at a game and wearing Mets like and I know that's not what Benito did last night. Uh, he didn't go out and and wear a Lakers jersey, but I would not actively campaign against the home team. I would go to a game in street clothes or I would simply not say anything, and then it would be left up to the public whether or not my heart is truly in it or not. Are people actually? Coming up with a scenario where the Mets and the Rockies are playing in the NLCS. <laughs> let, let me let me guess. Does, does Captain Kirk have home plate seats? <laughs> is Darth Vader umping? What are we doing here? That is a fantasy land scenario, isn't it? Oh my gosh! Yeah, um, <laughs> that's that's funny. I mean, and and as you guys know that um, you know I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan, and I don't I don't flaunt that. I don't flaunt it. Cards are turning it around right now. They were so bad to start, but they are turning it around. Rocky's been playing well as of late, too. I was going to say, the Rockies, I got to give them some credit for at least, uh, you know, finding uh, a way to be competitive, um, you know, on a series-by-series basis here lately. Meanwhile, the NBA draft lottery was last night. Oh, Coming off of coming off of tinfoil hat time with the NHL and Connor Bedard going to Chicago, uh, leave it to the NBA to follow it up with another Reynolds rap theory. So uh, the Charlotte Hornets got the number two pick, and I, this is how I'm going to set this up because I, I believe it cuts that part off. Uh, but this is Peter Holt, who is the owner of the San Antonio Spurs, when he finds out that his team uh, has the number one pick in the draft. 
the Charlotte Hornets. And that means that the number one pick in the 2023 Whoa. NBA draft goes Let's to go. the San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> and let me the tell San you. The San Antonio Spurs. There's one more you can walk hear Walk away here. with the first overall pick in the 2023 draft. Let's go. And let me tell you, um, I have been in that room and it's quiet. <laughs> it's quiet. You have all the people representing all the teams in the lottery sitting, standing at the podium or sitting at their seats and for him to go, let's go. Whoa. That would have been crazy. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs get the number one pick in the draft. Uh, that was their owner with the all the excitement in the Hawaii world. And Victor Wimbanyama is going to be a spur. To Raj's point, uh, what, what what are we, 20-something years removed from the fact? So, uh, like, in the last 30 years, they have gotten three number one picks, and I'm talking about the Spurs. David Robinson was a the pick. Then Tim Duncan was the pick. And now Wimbanyama is going to be Hall the pick. of Famer, Hall of Famer, and projects to be in that same vein just based off of what we've seen him do as a kid could the lottery be rigged for the spurs uh, the, all right the lottery <laughs> i i know I, I i say that like tongue-in-cheek especially with the nhl is that lotteries the aren't rigged. they're done they're done by the book and everyone goes back to the next year i i understand that but um i suppose at here, some, okay so here's a couple of the a couple of the just a weird instances in NBA and and look no to be clear no not rigs I don't believe any of that but this I think is interesting so for smaller market teams right so you had the Cleveland Cavaliers when they they got LeBron James LeBron Hold James down, kid well, yep LeBron James leaves and goes to Miami where Nick Benito most certainly grew up watching him play <laughs> and then uh, all of a sudden the Cleveland Cavaliers get the number one pick and they pick Kyrie Irving with the number one pick. The San Antonio Spurs, so I was a kid when this was going down. So David Robinson was injured the year before uh, they picked Tim Duncan. 96? Somewhere around there because me and Tim Duncan are about the same age. Because um, I think I think the draft, yeah, it was, it, the year was 96, the draft was 97. Mm-hmm. And the Spurs were, would have been a good team with David Robinson, were not a good team without him, but he was healthy enough to come back, and they held him out of the rest of, of rest of the season because they wanted to tank to be able to get the number one pick, and which they did, even though at the same time, Rick Patino is going to Boston because the Celtics were actually probably the worst team. Should have gotten the number one pick. They got the number three pick. That actually was Chauncey Billups, by the way. And so now we're in the situation where the Spurs are back. And they're going to get another center. And he's a great player. Somebody called him. I heard somebody call him the greatest draft prospect of all time. And he's the greatest draft prospect since LeBron James. That's for damn certain. Oh, my gosh. Ah, it's crazy. Uh, craziness happening uh, really fast before the gold break. Here's the top 10. Uh, would be San Antonio, number one. Charlotte Hornets, number two. Portland Trailblazers. At least it wasn't them. Yeah. <laughs> At least he's not in your division. Not going to. Exactly right. Uh, Houston, four. Detroit, Orlando, Indiana. Washington, Utah. Utah had a good season, and they're going to get the ninth pick in the draft. Uh, and then the Dallas Mavericks, who tried to tank it out, got fined by the NBA and will now pick 10th uh, in the draft. So uh, that's how that all went down. We go back when we come back, uh, we will talk through some more of this Nuggets victory.